very good morning to you. Welcome breakfast with Pat and Heels on this Tuesday, the 13th of Feb. Uh, we're on an open line again, Heels, as we love, 13, 13, 55. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, or the text line, 0467 736 736. I'm expecting both to be pretty busy today, given the front page headlines in the paper and the lead stories in the news last night, Ian. What's that? The, the little tussle? Mm. The pylon? <laughs> the boys got into it, the uh, the Broncos. There, there was a genuine attempt to control one of them, i.e. get into a cab. Mm. And then when the scuffle scuffle uh, came about, they all piled on, which you would. You're well, going jumping in, don't you? It was only a few days after I'm reading all the headlines about proclaiming mm-hmm. that this is the best summer we've ever had. The behaviour has been exemplary from all clubs. It's been outstanding. There's been no problems that, that we could read about, and all of a sudden we get... Broncos behaving badly. So it came, if you're just catching up on the story, it came in the aftermath of what was a wildly successful fan day at Red Hill on Sunday. Some, some 8,000 uh, flocked down there to meet the players, get the autographs and, you know, just have the, the interactions as they do. It's it's that week, Heels. You know, it sort of it marks the official end of pre-season, even though they did play what was effectively a reserve-grade game against Wynnum uh, over the weekend. Uh, none of the big guns were involved. Uh, and this is their sort of swap over week, if you know what I mean. You know, you end the preseason, you do the fan day, they've got their season launch, that's big, and then, you know, they get ready for these couple of trial games that they've got leading into Vegas. Uh, but, yeah, this is, it's just, look, it's a bad look. Uh, I know that that's was, all it is. Yeah, it's just a bad look. And I'd be interested to see what you think about it, Broncos fans. There's obviously a stack out there uh, when you're getting 8,000 just show up to a, a Broncos fan day. And, uh, you know, we're in the heart of Brisbane here. So, look, tell us what you think. Open line 13, 13, 55. It's just the boys behaving badly with, you know, being allowed to get out on the drink. Uh, They were apparently trying to get Carrigan into a cab. He'd become a bit obnoxious. So Reynolds and it looked like Corey Oates was uh, the other one involved in it. You know, a couple of, certainly Corey, a big boy, you know, trying to move him over and get him into a cab, get him home, get him out of harm's way, get him away from cameras, which uh, everyone has. Yeah. That's why it's a widespread problem now. This would have happened most weekends oh, yeah. in the past. And, and uh, now it's widespread because the platforms are there and so too is the media willing to put it up. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, it'll give them an excuse to even impose tighter sanctions on the playing group when they get around oh, America and Vegas, I would say. I'm not sure those boys will be allowed to drink in a whole Vegas trip. Yeah. The, the, the problem is, Hills, is that it's the captain and the vice captain. Mm. You know, a couple of the young bucks going each One other. One of them's probably right. Was trying to do the right thing. Mm. Well, I know you've had a lot to do with Renner, haven't you? Just socially and, and, uh, oh, yeah. and no, no, helping out functions. with functions and things like that. And you're a big fan. Oh, I'm a big fan of all of these bikes. Paddy Carrigan, yeah. he'll be owning that today like you wouldn't believe. I'm surprised we haven't heard from Pat yet because uh, he's he's a top bloke and very well educated and would own, will own this for sure. Yeah. Well, how about Adam Jackson? I love on the from... pylon. What about the late blokes that came in and jumped on them, like <laughs> bounced on them, and then they just walked away? Well, the CEO has spoken. He spoke to Nine, uh, and it did pretty much the message that you'd expect from Dave Donahue. Certainly, um, you know, it's uh, uh, the players are aware of the professionalism, the professional standards that we expect. Uh, clearly, that wasn't upheld in this instance, uh, but I think you'll appreciate over the past few years, we've certainly invested a lot of time and seen a lot of growth in, in terms of our uh, improving our, uh, our environment and our culture. Look, this is certainly no doubt a, a step back. 
Um, but, uh, you know, the intent here is that we, we learn from it, we understand what, what took place, we support our, uh, our group to take uh, increased strides in, uh, in getting better on and off the field. And, uh, you know, our intent here is to, to continue to, uh, to learn and to grow from that under Kevy Walters. Yeah, it's, um, it's always been part of their environment. This right. it's regularly happened where there was a blue breakout between John Z or Alfie, Alfie and Kevy, mm. have a little scrap, um, that sort of stuff. But it's, it's in their culture, but the environment now has to be different. When I listen to Matty Johns. It'd be madness for yeah. anyone to step in and worry about that. You know, it's like, like when you're out there and, like, you're out having a few beers with a boy. Like, that is, you can sometimes bring on your own, like, um, trouble. The NRL could go, mate, we'll investigate this and yeah, go any further. Yeah, yeah. Just go, mate, it's two mates. They're out, like, honestly, it's nothing. But standards have changed. Well, Matty, yeah, it is something here. Yeah. You know, just have a look at the news. But we're in the middle of of a you know so many problems within our society, and yet both the, the the major paper in the state and all the news bulletins last night, their lead story was the Broncos having a scuffle in the valley. That's how high profile they are. And Donna, he's right. I mean, they have their standards. Uh, a couple of years ago, when they were running down the bottom, there were dramas there. But Kevy's, you know, I feel for Kevy to tell you the truth. I, I mean. He's worked so hard to rebuild this club, rebuild the culture there, get them into a winning mindset. You know, they came within, you know, a few minutes of winning a grand final last year from from nothing. Uh, I reckon he'd be filthy. Yeah. You know, and, and again, he's been through all of this. He and Alf, they used to wrestle all the time and yeah. have fun and poke fun at each other and get on the drink and all that sort of stuff. But uh, look. When yeah. they were doing that, they were earning just a bit more than the journalist. <laughs> and, and there wasn't social media filming yeah. it live. Um, and so that's the problem now. That's what's changed. So you can't do it anymore. Some Something's got to change, otherwise you're going to get in trouble. Um, and, you know, they haven't changed. They've yeah. stayed the same. I don't think, I don't feel for Kevy at all. I don't feel he should be furious at all. We read he's furious, um, but... He should say, you idiots, what are you doing? Uh, like, get, you know, this is not acceptable anymore. And But he should still want a bit of it, but more behind closed doors. Yeah. Braden's brought up a point here. Um, <coughs> more so, not so much about this. Morning, boys, pretty pathetic that all people want to do is record straight yeah. away with their phones instead of trying to separate or calm the situation. Uh, I think they'll cop a sanction. They'll cop a sanction for sure, Braden. They're going to be fine. But they, they won't be stopped from going to Vegas or, or anything like that. But drinking in Vegas, well, I mean, look, when you're talking about recording Barnaby Joyce, now who's to know, you know that was just a shocking look, but who's to know Barnaby Joyce wasn't seriously ill when he took that tumbled in Canberra the other night? And yet, as quite a few of the politicians have, have jumped in and said, well, you know, what makes a person grab, grab his camera out and record it rather than going to see whether Barnaby Joyce was okay? I mean, Barnaby's bounced back. He said it was a mixture of medication and alcohol and... You know, look, I'm in, I'm embarrassed, I'm humiliated, I'm you know, I'm embarrassed for my family and everything. But why wouldn't you go and pick the bloke up and say, "You okay, mate? Do you want me to call you an ambulance?" Mm. Then, yeah. then jump on the phone and have a selfie. It's no good <laughs> when he's standing up, mate. Yeah, yeah your phone doesn't work. Doesn't have the impact. Yeah. Look, there is a little bit of audio from the fight. It doesn't mean much, but <laughs> Matty, we can play play that just quickly. Yeah, so basically the words were there was a there was a bit of swearing other other side of it. Adam, Pat, stop. So yeah, look, I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I'm Play not, the ball. I'm not far removed from Matty Johns that, you know, I've been around the game for a long time. Yeah. I've, I've seen it in various forms. I've seen it for a long time when there were no camera phones. And I've seen a few of these yeah. scuffles happen. But they're the highest profile sporting club in this state, one of the highest in the land, and they've got to be held to account. So they'll cop a fine. A couple of rap over well, the knuckles, and I reckon that money goes. Where's the phone go? I don't know. Right. So the, I, I think that money needs to be directed in a way that mm. they have to, <clears throat> they have to administer it. Like Paddy and and Reno, they'd mm. they'd love to go and give it to a junior club or a junior association, and get you know get associated with that uh. association. Um, Oscar's been on the line early. I blame Dean Ritchie, the news limited uh, for this Bronco scandal. He effectively jinxed the NRL by writing an article about how good the behaviour had been in the off-season. Yeah, you're not far wrong, Oscar. You knew something was about to happen. But, yeah, look, as I said, it came on the back of, you know, thousands and thousands gathering at Red Hill to celebrate the team, celebrate what they'd done last year, look forward to the 2024 season, wish them the best for Vegas. And uh, this happens. Love to know what you think. I thought it was going to be a lot worse when I heard the rumour. Yeah, yesterday then, afternoon there were rumours getting so around. So now, or, you know, that is fine. In the team meetings we had in tours, you know, Booney would rip a T-shirt and someone would lose a watch. Someone in the West Indies one day in a bus wrestle lost their watch down the hole in the bus. <laughs> there was a f- hole in the floor of the bus. Down it went. and we're, that's, that's gone. <laughs> there was a player on the roof of the bus once. Mm. You know, that it's always happened. I haven't got a problem, but but you can't do that now in such public areas. No, it's exactly right. We'd love to know what you think. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, 131355. It was a bad look. What should the punishment be for the lot? Well, the two leaders of the club, Reynolds and Carrigan. Um, we're here for Burbank Homes, the builder you can trust. You can bank on Burbank. And, of course, Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona N-Line. It's an absolute beauty. So, yeah, Adam Jackson's going to join us. I mean, he's right across everything. You know, he's he's with the Dolphins as well as they head into trial games this weekend. Of course, we've got the All-Star matches on Friday night uh, up in Townsville. Um, we'll, we'll go through all of that. Uh, James Maloney, who I'm really looking forward to having a chat with, they say that there's massive raps on him up in Townsville. He's doing a great job uh, as uh, Todd Payton's assistant coach. Uh, We've got to talk a little bit about Super Bowl. Uh, You and I both uh, snuck home from the pineapple from the big fundraiser there yesterday. They go back to back. As uh, the Kansas City oh. Chiefs, Mahomes was just brilliant, wasn't he? Oh, he was pretty ordinary early. Well, yeah, why, but why, in why, the clutch, in the clutch, he just kept producing under pressure. Yeah, Third yeah. downs and things like that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was magnificent and. I'm surprised you haven't brought it up already. I thought Purdy was good too. Actually, Vanessa's coming this way. Yes, we'll uh, we'll ask her because there was a lot of fashion stuff to be spoken about. That uh, what do you got? Well, there's an Australian involved. Yeah, Vanessa, come on in. There's an Australian involved in the Super Bowl. Why are you surprised for that? Yes, yeah, yeah, good. Well, I think it's fantastic. (laughs) It is fantastic. Tay Tay is wearing a crochet corset top. From the Australian luxury brand Dion Lee, which retails for six hundred and fifty dollars. Where do you get that? Where do you get it? Well, I suppose retail. Why do you just go and retail? No, there's forty exclusive retailers worldwide. But I'm tipping now they'll be sold out. Well, absolutely. (laughs) Where's Dion Lee from? (laughs) (laughs) Where's Lee from? Where's Dion Lee from? They're Sydney based. Sydney. Yeah, they are. Well, I don't know who they are, but I've never heard of Dion Lee. 
<laughs> it looked firmer than crochet. Do you reckon yeah. that look was crochet? Maybe it's got some sort of support in yeah. it. Bit of pleather. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like maybe maybe something's crocheted. She, she looked yeah. quite good. And yeah. I didn't know that was Blake Lively with her. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did we? In, was that in the red and what they added as tracksuit bottoms? Mm. No, no, I didn't see no, the outfit. No, a couple of singers, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of, there was um, a group of them. Paul yeah. McCartney. Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah, was, was that Paul McCartney? He dropped in to say good to Tay-Tay. Oh, yeah, they were all there. Well, I saw him in a Jay-Z box. Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. And Lady Gaga. Yeah, well, you know when they are doing that. I wondered if that was McCartney. Yeah, and yeah, it was, eh? It was. Yeah. Um, Cuzzy's just been online. Come on, Pat and Hill. This kind of behaviour is unacceptable. Needs to be taken seriously. Both Reynolds and Carrigan should be banned from playing for the Broncos for the entire season 2024. <laughs> and as punishment, they play the entire 2024 season with the Warriors. You go on, Kaz. <laughs> You're a, a young mum with, mm. with kids who play footy. What's your thoughts? It's not okay. I don't think we should just brush this off as boys will be boys. Oh, they're just out having fun. They're just mates. They are paid a lot of money mm-hmm. to maintain a certain level of behaviour in public, on and off the field, and I don't think we should just brush this off as, oh, mm. they're having a bit of fun. They're all right. We can do better as a society and as young, you know, as with young kids playing sport, they are part of their contract is, you know, this role that they have in the next generation. You know, those kids love that fan day. They love it when the players come out to their clubs. They mm. love any chance to interact with these sports stars and they need to do better. They are paid a lot of money to do better. Yes, it's their own time. Yes, that's that's fine. But, you know, there are other ways to kind of get out that physical angst or whatever, whatever's going on. It's just, that's not a standard of behaviour that we should mm. accept or brush okay. off as fine. Well, we've got to take that. I mean, you, as I said, you're a young mum with kids that love their sport. All right, what else is happening? Okay, well, um, a bit of a, a shock last night with a car crash that happened in Kangaroo Point and it was actually revealed to be Green State member for South Brisbane, Amy McMahon, involved and she has suffered a serious head injury in that crash. So uh, it was two vehicles happened just near the Pine actually, where you guys were yesterday morning. Um, so she is in a serious condition in the PA hospital. Oh. So the Premier, other MPs, obviously everyone around um, in the electorate as well, just sending their best wishes to Amy McMahon because that always gives you a bit of a scare and we just hope that she is okay. Now, youth crime has also been a very big talking point these last few weeks especially and the state government is fast-tracking a ban on the sale of knives to Miners. So retailers will have to lock up weapons like axes, tomahawks, machetes. They have to check identification. Penalties for having a knife in public are also being increased from 12 to 18 months. So, look, the Premier says that preventing uh, a knife or a weapon from getting in the hands of a miner is the first step in preventing crime. So look, they're just trying to do what they can, I think, to make it as hard as possible for youth offenders 
to commit these kind of crimes. And look, a real shock around the world as well in the athletics scene. Mm, Tributes flowing for the marathon world record holder, Kelvin Kipton. He's died at the age of 24 in a car crash. Now, it was only last October that he set the new world record at the Chicago Marathon. Uh, and so that that record actually only got ratified by World Athletics five days ago. He's now died in a car crash along with his coach, 24 years of age. It's just such yeah. a shock. He was preparing for the Paris Olympics. Yeah, so he's the first man under two minutes one. He, he ran two minutes and 35 seconds in Chicago, as you said, just ratified. Sebastian Coe, you know, the boss of World Athletics, is, you know, has led the, the tribute, shocked and deeply sad. But, yeah, it's, it's awful. They're, they're in altitude in Kenya where, where mm. they, you know, all the Kenyan greats train and they were travelling between a couple of centres and, yeah, there's been a shocking car accident killed he and his coach. Yeah, just mm. absolutely horrible. And for a man at the top of his game where... Who knows what he could have achieved? Oh, yeah, you know? they, they all said he that he was, was going to break two yeah, minutes. He uh, was two the hours, one. I should say. He was only eventually. 35 seconds off breaking that two hours yeah. without any aids. Uh, so just, yeah, absolute tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, all right, uh, we're running short of time. We've got to get to a break. But Vanessa, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you. Now, racing, racing will continue right across the Sunshine State. Uh, you can check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing right the way through the week. But... I want to do uh, go just on a slightly different tack here. Hills. This is All a right. great yarn. Benny Dorries um, uh, did the story for yesterday's paper, and we tracked down Mitchell Cunningham this morning, who was um, one of the big owners of, uh, of course, the Magic Millions winner, Storm Boy, which was rated one of the best wins um, by the ratings guys in years. So, Mitchell, this is a this is a hell of a story, and and. Congratulations, number one on the Magic Millions win, and then and, and all that has happened since, mate. It's it's like I know it's cliche, but it's dream come true stuff, isn't it? Yeah, g'day, Patton Hill. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, look, it's been it's been an incredibly exciting, um, I suppose only two months now. It feels like it's been longer, but yeah. he only had his first start. Uh, you know, given he's a, he's, a, he's a two-year-old, it was only about two months ago. Um, he had two really promising trials early on where he looked like he had uh, quite a lot of ability. But you, you do see a lot of these horses trial well and it doesn't convert to the race course. So to see uh, what he's done, uh, I don't think anyone could have expected it. Yeah, now the breeding is good, Mitch, I believe, and well, we found out yesterday. Um, what are some of the other qualities that you've just noticed that that he's got on the track, off the track, walking around? Is it, you know, Do you notice something special? Well, look, there's there's plenty that's special special about this uh, this big boy, but I think I think the thing that that uh, puts him in good stead moving forward is is his tenacity and will to win, which is which is something you can't really yeah. pick in horses. Certainly, when you're looking at them, he's got a he's got a habit of sort of missing the jump. Um, he musters very well, but he, he finds himself in what can be difficult. Uh, situations um, where he has to do a fair bit of work at, at sort of both ends of the race. Mm. And he, you know, at Magic Millions, he was caught four wide. Um, he had to do a fair fair bit of work mid-race. But to finish off the way he did and, and break the hearts of all the horses he was against, uh, I think, you know, he's obviously got that that, that mindset, that, that will to win, which yeah. is, you know, it's the point point of difference, certainly with these uh, these younger horses and the horses moving forward. 
But your story is fantastic too. I read, you know, racing was in your blood, but you're a commercial pilot, basically, weren't you? So how the, how do you get to the stage where you're at now? Well, look, we, uh, yeah, I, was, I lived in Hong Kong for for ten years. I was, I was flying for Cathay Pacific. Um, we, we've always sort of, you know, loved racing. Um, it was probably 2017 where my father and I started talking about doing something together in more earnest in, in the racing industry. We didn't really know what that was going to be. Um, very quickly, that that became, you know. Richmond Farm, which is which is the breeding operation, which I now run down in just outside Scone, and and uh, we run about 100 broodmares and take will be taking about 40 to 50 yearlings uh, through the sales ring each year. So breeding is the business, and racing is more the hobby side of things. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we buy a lot of fillies who we hope to feed our broodmare band should they that they'd be any good on the track. But we, we, we take minority shares in cults like Storm Boy. I, I, I guess there's a bit of a lottery ticket uh, for these sort of things to happen. And when they come off, you know, they, they're, certainly, they're certainly good for our business. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not been a tradition. I haven't come into the industry in a traditional uh, path. You know, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up farming. I didn't grow up breeding horses. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been in business uh, quite a while and been around, um, you know, the game a while now. But, you know, this is certainly um, to have this sort of success so early on in our business is really exciting and, and uh, will give us some momentum to keep going. Now, it gets talked about this $60 million, uh, the sale price. What, what hurdles does Stormboy still have to uh, clear for that to happen? He'll see, he's 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 got to go and win the slipper now. You know, right. it's, it's, oh, is that it's, all? It's big numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just just the golden slipper should be. Easy, you know, no, he uh, he he's got to go and win the slipper now, and then he's um, and then he's got to go and uh, win the size and the champagne beyond that to realise the full value of what these numbers are. You know, yes. uh, reported to be. Um, we we as an ownership group were you know, pretty tolerant of risk with when we were looking to exit the horse, if at all. And and uh, the ownership group got together pretty early on in the piece and, and decided that we were going to probably try to ride out uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 I guess, the exit from the horse until post-slipper. Um, yeah. You know, we've got a lot, of faith, a lot of faith that he's going to go and do it. So we, we had to, you know, with that comes a lot of risk, and you, you know, you see bubbles burst in this industry all the time. Okay. You know, they they usually do, they usually do burst, and, and so there was a lot of risk with going to the Magic Millions without, I guess, a stallion deal done. Because if you run poorly, it's it's really all over. <clears throat> um, but we 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 got through this. Uh, sorry, the Magics, and obviously he ran very well, and. Uh, the the studs were they had been knocking really after the first run in Sydney and um, but after the Magic Millions win which was obviously dominant we 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 got together and we 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 decided that the best way forward was to was to uh, communicate to these studs that if they were going to um, be able to get their foot in in the door with the horse they needed to. Um, Offer to us that the full value of the horse post winning the slipper through kickers. Um, yes, okay. Yeah, and if, and and if we didn't realise that value, we we were just going to write it out to the slipper and then again 
you know, it, it probably becomes a different a different number. Or, 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 or you know, again, yes. uh, should he have won as well as he did in the in the Magic? Mm. So, you know, it was there was a, there was a fair bit of uh, risk in what we were doing, but you know, fair play to to Coolmore. They they they've obviously you know really backed justify and and you know kudos to them they deserve for this to work out and come to fruition they've made no secret of the fact they think justify will be the best day in the world in the coming years and you know being an unbeaten triple crown winner having it also you know, already thrown the caliber of horses he is i think that it might just be right Good stuff, hey, mate. It's, we've got to get to the news, but it's a, it's a fantastic story. We'll be following it closely. And uh, thanks for chatting with us today, Mitch. Really appreciate it. Well done, Mitch. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, you want to say hello to Now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels. Heels gets his gloves off. At the end of yesterday's game, the Super Bowl, I, I thought I'll sit down and think, what, what did I like about today? The lessons of the Super Bowl 58 final, or which is the Super Bowl 58. The first thing I'd noticed was togetherness. And these are the Kansas City Chiefs mainly that I'm referring to. You know, the, when when they were doubted, they got together and really galvanised uh, together and they used it for their good all season long. So that real togetherness is a really important thing and something the Queensland State of Origin teams are very good at. The second thing, and one of the most important for yesterday, was awareness. You you know, be thinking under pressure. They were under serious pressure. They were supposed to be playing a little bit better than that, but they were always doubted and no one's surprised that San Francisco are dominating here at the start. Um, You know, someone said, we need to be playing better. We're not going that well. And that's difficult to do when you're under such pressure. Then they had to work out what is happening and and then how are we going to do this? And then who's in charge of getting us all back on track? We can't all be throwing our bits in and our suggestions in. Why don't we try this? What's going wrong there? So it had to be streamlined and the coaches had to take charge or who was it that took charge and stayed so calm? They they were unbelievable how calm they stayed. Then who's going to lead this change? It was obvious. It was Mahomes. Right, Patrick Mahomes and his demeanour didn't change all game. You know, you'd see him jogging off having fluffed another catch or fumbled something and and threw one out on the full on purpose, those sorts of things. He just he just jog off, talk to the coaches. He never stopped trying. He never stopped uh, identifying new tactics, then reverting. The second half they reverted to more, more familiar Kansas City Chief tactics and performed them very well. So, whiz, you know, there's a lot of football left. When you've got a whole team that have their attitude, there's a lot of football left. That's what happens when you get teams together and they become so entrenched in each other um, that they have total faith in the quarterback calls and go for it, knowing that even six minutes is a long time for our team. Then, then to me, the, the, the uh, just because I'm a rookie, doesn't mean I can't get this job done. So there's some very underrated chiefs emerged, and Mahomes, he trusted them. And his quotes that I walk past those our training fields every day and see them throwing, you know, for hours on end. I knew they were hard, they were not only hard workers, but they were pressure ready rookies. And that's a huge thing for the next step of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Um, then there's a tolerance. There's a tolerance level that everyone had to have. The coach and Travis Kelsey, for for one, as we've talked about, um, not letting on after the game either that he was upset. He, it was all well handled and it'll be very interesting to see what it looks and feels like next year between those two. Um, the defence and the coach, you know, the defensive lines and their defense, defensive coach, he, he had to tolerate that it wasn't going too well at the start. So, But, you know, they, they really kicked into gear. And then everyone and the referees, they, quite easy to get really cranky and when things don't go your way. But, gee, I thought the Kansas City Chiefs held things together very well. Uh, when it wasn't going so well for them. Then then I think I, I like the humility of San Francisco, the disappointment, um, but no more than that. The coach even looked very proud of his team. You know, he came under some criticism for being conservative and that calling one of the decisions uh, cowardly. Um, that that's not too too good for him, but uh, he, they spoke very highly of each other. It was a mutual love in that San Francisco squad, so which is great to see. I loved that San Francisco didn't lose the Super Bowl. The proud champ, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs clicked into gear and won it because it was always um, a challenge of you know weighing up the prospect of winning this match against the fear of losing it. And I was really pleased that neither team was scared of losing. It was a great study in sport. I loved it. Uh, let's get straight and chat, chat about a bit of supercars. There's been a lot of headlines around the supercars in the last few weeks. Uh, Cam Hill hasn't been amongst them. Things are going along quite nicely for him. He's got uh, tyre power on board. Uh, I'll be the naming rights partner on Cam Hill's number four Chev Racing Camaro uh, and a multi-round deal for the 2024 Repco Supercars Championship. And Cam was joining us uh, on the show today. Cam, did you watch Super Bowl yesterday? Uh, I have not. Who won? Oh, there we go. Kansas Kansas City Chiefs. Well, hang on. Who was in the game? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, No, I would have been like that a few years ago too. Kansas City Chiefs beat San Francisco 49ers, both very famous clubs. Oh, there you go. I was going to guess 49ers because obviously we know that that club, but um, there you Mm. go. They lost. So. Well, let's talk about your specialty subject. Um, to put it mildly, there's been some headlines in the supercars before we get to Bathurst for round one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, there was a lot of stuff that probably wasn't in the script. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's been it's been pretty wild. But for me, yeah, I just keep on trucking. Nothing nothing too crazy's happened. Yeah, it's it's gone quiet though, hasn't it? That, you know, as Brody hasn't come out and said anything more than that we're missing the first round. Is that all? Y- yeah, no. That's that's all we've heard, and yeah. I don't know any more to it. Um, you know, I just hope that um, you know we see him back in a race car soon because he's he's a serious talent. And Cam, is uh, this place called Bathurst quite familiar to you? Uh, you've grown up there. You've spent a lot of time on this track. Yeah, I love Bathurst, yeah. um, and I, I seem to go okay there, so that always helps too. But um, yeah, always good to be getting back there. I think I'll probably be the track I raced on most this year with you know twelve hour and then. Two races in the supercar. Yeah, it, it, it is fantastic. I mean, it's one of the great challenges. And uh, I mean, you you've been in this caper since you were basically ten in, in carts and things like that. But to have a racetrack like that that you can access three times a year is just a real privilege, isn't it? Oh, it's pretty special. I mean, you only really ever got to race on it once a year, and and now there are you know these other events that. Um, I guess not just for us as supercar drivers, but you've got the six hour and you've got challenge Bathurst. Like you can, you know, sort of 
tick the box and drive around Bathurst, which is, yeah, it, it is unreal. And, yeah, to do it at my level is yeah, always very special. Mm. Hey, talk us through the journey, I suppose. I, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, you followed that familiar path. You were, you were a gun in, in the carts, et cetera. How do you go now? I mean, you've picked up tyre power as a great sponsor, which is very important for you young drivers. How do, you, how do things unfold for you now and what's, what's your dreams? Well, I mean, the dream was always to make it. Um, and, you know, now I'm here and it's sort of like, okay, um, now I guess i got to win the thing, right? So, yeah, um, yeah it's, um, it's, I guess it's a bit of a snowball, right? You, you sort of got to put one foot in front of the other and, you know, you do go-karts and then I was into Formula Ford and, you know, each step along the way, I guess you've just got to, you know, master your craft and, and work out how to get to the next step. And, um, you know, now now I'm at this level, I guess, it becomes more about, yeah, refining everything because everyone in supercars is good. You know, you look at all their resumes, they've all won something. They're all there for a reason. So um, it really is the best of the best. And, you know, one or two tenths can make you look real good or real average. Yes. And well, it's time for a new dream, isn't it? And a lot of hard work, uh, you know, because it, nothing comes easily in your game. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's certainly... Certainly, you know, not something you can kind of just do on the weekends and, and, and make work. You really do have to sort of commit yourself and it is just full time basically. So um, for me, that's probably been um, the biggest shift is, you know, from going, you know, we run our own race team down here with customers in Formula Ford and we, we've done Porsche stuff in the past and now all of a sudden I'm at the racetrack, you know, 20 weekends a year, you sort of go, okay, this is a lot. I've really got to make sure I'm... Putting the driving first because, yeah, it's it's easy just to kind of, you know, go, oh, there goes 12 months. Well, what happened? <laughs> in the, call. In the call. number four car as well, which is a, a famous number in motor racing, isn't it? Yeah, number four. It's pretty cool. Um, obviously, a lot of history there with um, the Stone Brothers and, and Ambrose. So, um, yeah, I feel I feel pretty lucky to be able to carry, carry number four for, for MSR this year. It's, yeah, really cool. Hey, what are you getting from testing as far as the uh, the Camaros and the Mustangs? We know there's been a, that too was a controversial point last year. I know, right? And it'd be nice if we can just put it all to bed and, and go car racing. Um, I think, you know, from the aero side of things, um, I think we've done a really good job now. The car's been in the wind tunnel. The, the data and information we have is nothing like we've seen before. So I think from, from the aero standpoint, I think it's all going to be done and dusted, but, um, you know, they're still very two very different engines, and I know there's ongoing work there, so um, I hope that they can get on top of it. Yeah, definitely. Man, with all your success at every level on your way up to supercars, are you known for anything in those early levels um, as a driver? What's what's your style? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I guess you'd, we'd have to go ask the, uh, the other drivers. But, right, um, eh? I, yeah, I, I always like to – I always just like to try – race clean, you know, I don't want to ever um, knock someone off the track and, and do it that way. So they, they all probably think I'm a nice guy, which maybe I'll have to change this year if I'm going <laughs> to well, get mate, a few more spots. Yeah, how good's your car look? Nice colours and everything, the, the tyre power. The car, yeah, it looks awesome, you know, and what a what a great brand is tyre power. And, um, you know, hopefully they they want to grow with us and, and do big things in the sport. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can put put it up the front and get them some TV time.
Good oh. stuff. Coming out of your rookie year into your second year, you get three goes at Bathurst this year, which is awesome. You're in the number four car, and uh, we'll be following you. Um, thanks for the chat this morning. Really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. But we're going to go north, Heels. Um, a lot of optimism about the... The, the year up there for the Cowboys. James Maloney now on the coaching staff. Uh, I think it's been a wonderful buy from all reports I'm getting. They're just loving having him on board. James, a very good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. Let me throw you under the bus straight oh. away. Bronx, boys being boys, or we uh, <laughs> we wrap them over the knuckles and we move on? Later, I don't know anything about it, so um, <laughs> I'm just keeping to myself up here. I, I think... Um, <laughs> Something popped up yesterday, but I don't even bother looking at it, mate. I'm past that. When you do have a look at it, you will imagine yourself in the middle of it. You, you would have been right in the middle of the pylon, I reckon. It was a, it was quite funny for some. Like it was quite an amusing little thing that probably can't happen in public anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah. So welcome to Townsville, mate. How how is how have you set it in from what did you go from France to Townsville? Yeah, pretty much. I, I sort of had a week, week and a half stopover in Sydney, um, and then it all sort of the plans changed, and we headed north. So um, yeah, it, it's been it's been good, mate. Um, settled in after after Chrissy, the the wife and the kids have all moved up now, and um, yeah, we're we're set, settling in well. And I'm, it's, I'm enjoying. It. Yeah, it's been hot enough for you. Yeah, <laughs> we were pretty lucky pre-Christmas. Everyone was telling me, and then after probably the last few weeks after the cyclone come through, we had a couple of days that were just absolutely stinking, and I was like, "Oh, now I know what they mean about being a bit lucky pre-Christmas." So, um, yeah, the, the boy, the boys are working hard, mate. They come off every session looking like they've jumped out of a pool. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a bit of a challenge for. I suppose the conditions up here. Hey, we knew the roster, the Roosters were were an option, and you know you've obviously got to get the tick from Jessica because you got you got four kids. So, family behind you in this, mate. Obviously, yeah, mate, we did. Um, I said to said to Jess that the deal we always had was she's she's moved everywhere for my football and stuff like that. So once I was done, um, she she had the choice of where we went. Um, so when when the option to come up. Um, arose, I sort of looked at her. I said, "It's your call, you know. If you don't want to, we don't want to go up there, then then we won't." Um, but no, she was she was happy. She was excited. She's in another another challenge and another adventure. So let's go. And here we are, and we're enjoying it so far. Yeah, you, you're just two beautiful dialects that you've taken your family into that beautiful French language, and now you get the Queensland, the North <laughs> Queensland one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they sure that's got that real that real southern draw up here, doesn't it? Yeah. The northern draw, probably. Hey, and with a on the end. What um what are you called an assistant coach, uh, or are you specific to attack? Yeah, the assistant coach just looking after their attack, um, um, basically. So we've got Justin Morgan who's who's doing the defence, and then Toddy's over, obviously oversees it all. And um, yeah, so fingers crossed we we scoring plenty of points this year. It'll make my job easier. It's such a such a big job. When I when I started to break it down in my head, you've got the backs and how the back line wants to play as a as a as a group, and then the individual skills. And then the Fords, you know, do, do you work at the Ford pack 
uh, attack as well? Yeah, it's look, trying to trying to sort of piece it all together. Um, you know, I suppose with the middles, I suppose um, you know you just keep their job pretty simple. Um, you know, we don't want to overcomplicate it too too much. They get a lot of work yeah. um, done, and the more work they do, that the old brain up there stops ticking that much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> The old pumpkins go on, so we keep their job pretty simple for them. But um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge um, for me. Obviously, it's it's my first first sort of time delving into the coaching, so it's it's something that I'm enjoying. It's another challenge for me, and um, yeah, well, it's it's hard to sort of know where we're at now because I'm sure if you spoke to the other 16 teams, mate, they're all they're all killing it at the moment. No one's lost the game, so yeah, um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, and time will tell. Hey, seismic shift up there with the uh, the leadership. Jason Tamalolo, Chad Tanzan replaced by Tom Deard and Reuben Cotter. Uh, did it go well, mate? Was that as seamless as as Todd and uh, the coaches thought it would have happened? Yeah, I've made it, it appears so. Um, I think um, you know Jason, Jason, Chatty are, were were more than happy, and they're they're still um, playing a a really vital role for us up here in the in the leadership stakes and and helping. Um, Rubes and and Tommy um, through, you know, it's their sort of they're, they're stepping up to the bar, but it's nice that they've got those those senior boys there to lean on. I think that that's going to help their leadership. And um, yeah, at the moment, it it's all seemed to go um, yeah pretty well. Hey, we know about your experience. I mean, three hundred plus first grade games, Origins tests, couple of premierships, etc. Do you like to make Dearden? A pet project for you? Uh, maybe I don't. I don't know that I make you know any certain ones. I, I'd like to like to think you know there's there's quite a few. Uh, obviously, Tommy's up there, and we've got a um, Jake Clifford and young Tom Duffy and all that is there as well. So obviously, I'd like to think um, other halfbacks. You know, there's there's something there that I can. I can teach them and I can sort of work with them there. Um, but I, I'd like to think that I can do that with a lot of the boys in a lot of different positions, have them played with, you know, a lot of lot of quality players in different positions and understanding sort of what, what they did. And um, so I suppose that's a challenge for me. I think as a coach, you know, you, you coach the team, um, you know, to, to get them all on the same page. But I think you've still got to develop the individual's um, and their own skill sets and things like that as well. So, um, yeah, plenty of work to do. Yeah, I've read a couple of times that how impressed they were with what you said in your interviewing time. You know, when you got to get on the paddock with the squad, were there any structural changes you, you saw that the, the squad needed or are you just happy to make them better at what they've been doing? Yeah, I, I think we've, we're sort of playing a bit – Bit different, um, not not a complete overhaul. I don't I don't think they needed to sort of change everything, but there's a few few things I thought we could we could do a little bit differently, and maybe some variations that could open open up a bit of space and time for for certain players. So um, that's things we've worked on. I think I think they're progressing um, in the right right direction. Um, so yeah, they they all seem to be. Um, yeah, happy to happy to sort of follow and understand, you know, what what I'm what I'm thinking and how I sort of view the game and 
and that sort of stuff it's probably a little bit different to to a lot of the stuff they've done before yeah. but okay. they also um, yeah pretty pretty involved in it which which is good so hopefully we can have some success Hey, what about fitness levels? We know the year before last they were supremely fit and we know how far they went. Last year it was almost a conspiracy, you know, with World Cup and, and so many things going on in, in the off-season that perhaps they didn't come back as, you know, as trim and, and taut as they they might have been and probably suffered from that. Where are they at this year, mate? Well, I think they've all had uh, big pre-seasons this year. Obviously, the... The hard part, I suppose, if you're a player, when you miss um, semi-finals and stuff the year before, you, you end up a lot earlier back to work in November and stuff like that. So at the moment, mate, everyone's sort of had some a lot of a lot of Ks under their belt. Um, obviously, the the challenge up here with the with the temperature and the weather is, you know, you get the work into them, but not not absolutely cook them either. You don't want them sort of um, getting to to the season, and they're absolutely knackered. So that's a sort of a real challenge up here. But um, Toddy and all the high performance department are seem all, all over that. So um, yeah, there, mate. I'm I'm happy with with where they're at. Oh, I think Toddy's pretty happy with where they're at. Um, yeah. So good time time to tell. I don't think I don't think fitness will be an issue if. If we're not winning games, well, that'll be something else we need to sort out. Hey, just quickly, we'll let you go. I know you've got work to do, but um, is there a kid that excites you amongst this list? I mean, you've got an immense talent, um, you know, through your spine, but is, is there a kid that we should be watching out with at some point this year with in a Cowboys jersey? Oh, mate, I reckon, I reckon there's, there's probably probably 10, of, 10 to 15 that are excite me at the moment. Mm. You know, I think I think that the the boys, um, you know, across the squad, I think we've got a a pretty even roster. You know, we've got some some experienced guys, some some sort of guys that are sort of twenty seven, and you know, we've got plenty of kids that are that are probably I don't know twenty two to twenty four, or you know, which is really young, and and they've only played sort of maybe thirty odd first grade games, you know, so there's so much development in, in those boys there and, um, you know, obviously there's, there's plenty of them coming through. Yeah. Um, so without, without singling out one, mate, I, I think there's hopefully plenty that will have big years up here. Yeah, hey, good first game. game too. Good first game to look forward to. 10th of March, Dolphins at Suncorp. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's not a bad place to play, old Suncorp. So <laughs> it's just on the wrong side of the border. But other than that, it's a good place. <laughs> uh, great to chat this morning. Uh, as I said, the, the, the raps have been enormous from what I'm hearing down here. That uh, It's all going beautifully up there. And uh, uh, Queensland loves it when the Cowboys are strong. Yeah, mate, I'll be loving it too if we're strong. So fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, thanks, James. James Maloney, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Too easy, fellas. Have a good one. Stack of calls today and texts, as you would imagine, about the Broncos bust up uh, in the Valley on Sunday night after their fan day. Adam Jackson, uh, one of the voices of rugby league uh, in Queensland, works for Channel 9, of course. Always a great friend of the show. Jacko, good morning to you. Uh, not the look that the Bronx wanted so close to number one, the season launch. Number two, their first of their big preseason trials. And number three, heading to Vegas. 
Oh, exactly right, Paddy. Horrific timing. Couldn't be worse just a couple of weeks out uh, from the season. And I, I heard you earlier this morning saying, you know, we've seen uh, about seven seconds of the vision. No, I've actually seen the full video. It goes for about seven minutes. We showed a lot of it on uh, Nine News last night. It's, most of it's boring in the lead up to it. There's a lot of um, uh, wrestling and hugging and falling on the ground and that sort of thing. But, you know, it, it is a horrible look from the fact that it's the two leaders involved in the club, yeah. it's the captain, uh, the vice captain, that's the alarming part. So like, even like from Heel's perspective, like if this was Pat Cummins and Steve Smith, the Australian cricket team, I mean, imagine the, the outrage of that. So to me, the, the incident isn't really that bad, but it's a bad look who, who it is that accentuates the situation. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. Yeah, and that's where I was going to ask you up front, you know, was it a drunken brawl or was it, a playful stacks on the mill type stuff. Yeah, it was the situation from what I understand. They went out uh, drinking uh, after their fan day. It looks like Carrigan is the guy in the wrong. I know the investigation's uh, got to take place, but he, he, he'd had a few too many. Uh, they got a bit boisterous. They were asked to leave the place they were at. They tried to get him into a cab and an Uber. And, you know, Paddy's, Paddy's a big guy. And, you know, he was like... Um, mucking around with his uh, teammates and, you know, it just got to a point where they just wanted to get him away and he, he, he didn't do that. So that's the vision that um, uh, proceeds with uh, him and Adam Reynolds. But, you know, I've had a lot to do with Pat Carrigan in origin camps and coming up through the Broncos. He's a genuinely good guy, yeah. but maybe this is a wake-up wake call to him. You know, he's, he's made a mistake. The Broncos got onto the front foot. You know, Dave Donner, he was on our news on Nine News last night. At least he he didn't say too much. He had a bit of CEO speak, but at least he came out saying how disappointed the club is. And one thing I can tell you is just come through. The Broncos are going to hold a press conference this morning at 8.30. So they usually have um, media interviews after training. They've gone the unusual step of doing it before training. We'll hear from Kevin Walters. Apparently he is quite furious from a TV media perspective. This is a good time to hear from Kevin because he's very passionate. In, uh, for the club and these sort of things. So we'll hear from him and potentially Adam Reynolds and Pat Carrigan this morning. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be well and truly on to that. And that was something that Heels mentioned earlier. He said they should get up today and get on the front foot. Well, it looks like they have. You're just telling us now breaking news and within the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to have uh, a press conference from the Bronx. I mean, we, we're going to get the mayor culpa. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But mate, I agree. And I mean, well, Vanessa Gibson, our our newsreader here, who has young kids who love their footy, play AFL mainly. But she was, you know, she's angry about it. A hundred, a hundred percent. And so many Broncos fans online, similar sort of sentiment. You read the comments on Instagram or Facebook, like. You, you're taking the big money, you're in the spotlight, you've got a responsibility. So I, I don't have a problem with them having a few drinks, uh, being quiet, but when it spills out to the public domain like that, that's when, when you've, uh, you know, you've got to accept what comes with your role. And the Broncos are more prominent now than they have been the past few years. They're a little bit uh, more successful. They got to the grand final. So it'll be interesting from my perspective what the NRL Integrity Unit does. So sometimes it's hard to gauge. Like It might take a week or it might take three months. Usually it's uh, dependent on judicial process. That won't be the case this time because no one's been arrested or no one's been charged. But could you imagine if the NRL Integrity Unit comes out and says, guys, you're copping a one-game ban, you guys aren't going to Vegas. Imagine the message it sends to the rest of the NRL players 
hey, we're going to stand firm. Adam Reynolds, Pat Carrigan, two of our biggest names, not going to Vegas. Yep. That that would be a line in the sand moment for the rest of the NRL. I don't think they will they will do that. I think they'll cop substantial fines, but you know, there's a lot to go into it. It's, it's only happened in a day or so, so yeah, a lot of water to go under this bridge. Actually, I think the the fact that they were moved on from a restaurant might be worse than the pile on uh, waiting for the cab. Uh, that that is unacceptable when you're in someone's premises, and there may be a you know two shifts of dish pigging there. They could go in and wash dishes yeah. for that restaurant because they they need to make massive apologies there. That that is not good enough, um, and and that's sort of maybe especially if that's where they started to drink. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a very good point you make there, Heels. And hopefully, we'll get more answers uh, in this press conference this morning from uh, Kevy. Hopefully, we'll hear from Patty and Reynolds. Or if not, Dave Donahue will um, come out and uh, you know. They've been pretty transparent at the moment, the Broncos. They alerted the integrity unit before it, it really all came out. So, you know, yeah, there was, there was, there was, there was a few of them there. We saw the, the, the vision of Corey Oates trying to break it up and he inadvertently uh, gets uh, involved in it. So, uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's unwanted attention so close to, to this Vegas game, which they've been promoting so heavily. Yeah, agreed. It's just a, a, a bad look for the club. Hey, uh, you're out at Redcliffe Dolphins. I mean, they're... I've got so much optimism about them this year, mate, with these signings, Farmworth, Flegler, Avarillo, all that sort of thing. I reckon they're going to be good. Oh, definitely. I, I, I'm sitting here at the moment, Redcliffe, watching them try. I don't know what price uh, Tommy Hackett can give you at Ladbrokes, but I saw the other day, there was $3.80, <laughs> $3.80 to make the top eight. I reckon that's as good as value as you'll get with the extraditions you alluded to there, Patty. And, a bold prediction for mine. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins finish ahead of the Broncos this season. Ooh. And the oh, reason he's is, up, Jacko. <laughs> the, the, the reasoning is no Flagler, no Farnworth. Broncos have also lost Keenan Palacia and Kirk Catewell. Kirk Catewell was the standards leader at the club. So the Broncos have lost a quarter of their grand final team. A lot of people are sleeping on that. And last year, the Dolphins-Broncos games, the Dolphins only just lost both of them. And you've got the best back from the Broncos last year. Herbie Farnworth won that award. And Tom Flegler's now a state-of-origin Kangaroos uh, front row. So I just think the way the Dolphins have recruited better than any club and the way the Broncos have lost four players and haven't really recruited anyone, I've, I've got them level pegging. I, mm. I think they, they could not be more equal, these two teams. So I bet that... But I'll preface that by saying I'm a biased Cowboys fan and I'm excited after you guys interviewed uh, James Milan earlier today. Yeah, right. Yeah, he could be the good man to have in there, eh? Yeah, definitely right. So the big question mark for the Dolphins is their halves. So you look at the rest of their team, you've got the hammer at fullback. Their forward pack's probably close to one of the best in the NRL now. Flagler, the Bromwich brothers. You've got Tom Gilbert out in the field in front of me, Felice Cafusi, Jeremy Marshall-King, uh, Mark Nichols, those sort of guys. But... In terms of the halves, Sean O'Sullivan will be the halfback. They're still deciding who's going to be 5'8". Probably Cody Nicarima. He won't play this weekend in their trial match against the Titans on the Sunshine Coast because he's up in Council for the Maori All-Stars game against the Indigenous All-Stars. Mm. So, and you've also got Katoa waiting in the wings. So I expect to see Katoa play in the trial this weekend. So to me, the halves is a question mark. If the Dolphins can sort that, I, I think they're in the top eight this year. Yep, I, I agree. And the other one we forget, Tommy Gilbert, who you just mentioned, we saw so little of yep. him last year, mate. Mm. So, you know, if we get a full season out of the likes of him and, and Flegler, boy, oh boy. 
Yeah, Tom Gilbert's almost a new signing because he missed from, uh, what was it, State of Origin 1 in Adelaide. He did that uh, uh, pec injury, the shoulder injury. And uh, so he missed a big chunk of the season. And to me, him coming back is huge. He he really drives the standards here at training alongside uh, Maxi Plasti's pushing him in the fitness test. But uh, just finally on the Dolphins, the start is the key for mine. So... This is how they start the season. Cowboys, Dragons, by Titans, Tigers. Then they play the Broncos in round six. So they don't play a top eight team from last year until they encounter the Broncos. Boy. And they don't actually have to leave. They don't leave Queensland until round seven when they play the Eels down in Sydney. So if they can get off to a fast start, that's the key for mine for the Dolphins. Oh, this is rigged. <laughs> is, um, have you hey, got, got Katawa in front of What's that, Jagger? <laughs> Am I talking about the Dolphins? You now? are. Yeah. <laughs> Paddy's like on fire here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm with Jacko. I am with Jacko. Is Katoa in front of you? Can you see him? Yeah, he Has he got I'm his knee strapped? Uh, here we go. They'll go back line play at the moment. Um, he doesn't look like uh, – he's on the other side there. No, he doesn't have his knee strapped no, at the moment. Well, that's a good sign, I reckon, yeah. because, God, if you had to keep doing that strapping year in, year out – on a young man's knee, that couldn't have been good. Hey, Jacko, we won't keep you much longer, but just quickly, what reports are you getting from uh, the Gold Coast with Desi? Yeah, it, the training really has become a bit more intense there, and I think it needed to because in terms of fitness as well, I did a lot of um, Titans games uh, last year on the sideline. They're really good for 65, 70 minutes. They clock off. They have brain fades, and I think Desi Hasler's been really good in that mental capacity as well as the physical attributes of making training a bit more intense. So you look at their team, the Titans, they've got the cattle to do it. Whether it follows through remains to be seen. So uh, the best part about preseason too is no one's lost a game. That's exactly right. <laughs> but good cattle. as you say, like to- uh, What are they called? Cowboys, Dolphins and Titans uh, uh, got the cattle just like the Broncos. The, yeah, I reckon the, the Broncos, uh, what do you call it? emerging talent has to stack up. Uh, very much like Kansas City Chiefs, actually. They lost a lot of players last year, and they got it done again. Yep. Hey, Jacko, brilliant to exactly chat. Exactly right. And, yeah, again, no, I... room for excitement down the coast with, with Hardwick and Hasler in charge of their two national teams. I reckon it's going to be great. Um, uh, just one quick text here, mate, from Hutch. Geez, they've taken the pressure off Barnaby Jones, haven't they, the Bronx? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank- Thank you, mate. Great to catch up. And uh, obviously, no 8.30 presser at the Broncos. be interesting Ooh, to see yes. who they trot out. Let's quickly go to the States Hills oh. uh, and just catch up in the aftermath of what was uh, a brilliant victory by the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. Jason Anderson, who's a great friend of the show. We had him on only a, a week or two ago. Kansas City Sports Radio host. Uh, Jason, uh, how are you this morning? But let, let's inquire about your health firstly. <laughs> Um, needing a little more sleep uh, at this point right now. <laughs> and will you get <laughs> After it? last night. And, <laughs> uh, I will, uh, I'll get it later on tonight, I think. I think it'll be an early night for me uh, to go to bed. But, uh, but yeah, last night after the game was over and then trying to do some work and then, you know, getting up again early this morning. And, you know, the guy I do the show with uh, hosts our post-game show and uh, he ended up getting off the air at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, uh, no started way. the post-game show at 11. And got out of the, uh, got off the air at four o'clock, left the station at five o'clock, uh, back at the station at seven thirty to prep for the show that started at 10. So he got an hour nap, 
so uh, I believe he's probably asleep right now. I think uh, I think he's probably asleep. So <laughs> I what, hope he is actually. What's happened to the team? Are they back from Vegas yet, or what? What are the movements now? Yeah, they'll be back um, later on. They'll be back tomorrow. Um, or uh, they'll be back later today, I should say. So this morning they always have the winner's press conference there uh, wherever the Super Bowl is. And so Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, whoever the winning coaches and the MVP of the game, uh, do a press conference the next morning with Roger Goodell. So they do that. And then they sort of pack everything up and then head back home on Monday. And then tomorrow on Tuesday they will sort of take some time off and chill. And then Wednesday will be the parade. Yeah, okay. Um, what, uh, the team say they never doubted what they could achieve all year, actually. What about the fans? Uh, have you been that confident? Oh, uh, no, the fans doubted. I mean, there, there's there's no getting around that. This year was, I think it's one of the more satisfying of the three, mm. which is uh, just an amazing thing to say is that we're choosing between which three that, you know, feel the best or yeah. are the most satisfying. But um, the the reason I say that is, you know, this was a team that middle of the season didn't know if this was going to be a team that would even make it far in the playoffs. Yep. I mean, we talked about, you know, throughout the season, like this team was six and one, and then they went on a two and four stretch. And so they were sitting at what, eight and five on the season. And they were a game up in the West on the Broncos. So they're only leading their own division by a game. Mm. And we were talking about this wide receiving core. Patrick Mahomes was losing his mind on the sideline about officials. Um, the defense was good, but this offense is just too pedestrian. The tackles aren't good enough. Um, you know, Kelsey looks old. This is just going to have to be a season where you go through and you know what? The Patriots won six Super Bowls over like, you know, 20 years. And, uh, they had a whole decade where they didn't win one. So maybe this is just one of those years where the chiefs make the playoffs, but just don't make much noise. Yeah. And quite frankly, I mean, they went two and three in December. Like it's not like this was a team that turned it on. It was like, okay, there you go. There was one game against the Bengals that they played that was like, oh, yeah, that looked better. And then they rested their starters in the last game of the season, and then the playoffs happened. So uh, it's it's one of those things to where after we watch this, there is not going to be a doubt around the city until the Chiefs are done in January. It doesn't matter what they're doing in November or December. This was a lesson to, I think, a lot of people, certainly around here with the fans, because you know even myself, I'm like, you know after they lost to the Raiders on Christmas Day, which ended up being their last loss of the season. After they lost to the Raiders on Christmas Day at home and kind of got pushed around and and uh, bullied a little bit, uh, you know, I went on the air and I'm like, unfortunately, this is just what an average playoff team looks like. I mean, there's a lot of playoff teams that are just sort of filler. And, you know, there's 14 teams that make the playoffs and not every one of them is going to be able to to win the Super Bowl. They're, they're sort of there to fill out, you know, programming for the networks. And that's kind of what an average playoff team looks like. Hey, and, of course, uh, nailed that one. <laughs> talk to us about, I mean, I'm not heavily into the nuances of, of a, you know, what is a very technical game, but... Uh, boy, oh boy, just from a sports lover, watching Mahomes in the clutch is a delight. It's unbelievable. I mean, what's, what's, there's so many things that are sort of amazing and, and different angles you can take. But one of the things that's really surprising to me is when he was coming out of college and the Chiefs were talking about, you know, drafting him and the Chiefs, um, well, they weren't really talking about drafting him. They wanted to keep it a secret because they wanted to trade up to get him. Um, but the Chiefs behind the scenes were talking about, you know, uh, how this is one of the best prospects they've ever seen. And a lot of people that were studying the draft and studying college said, well, Mahomes isn't really a winner because he's not winning as a college football quarterback. And so if this guy's so great, 
why is his college team only winning four and five games a year? So he's really not a, he puts up crazy stats, but he can't win games. Okay. So that was the reputation for Patrick Mahomes. Never won in college. He gets to the NFL and he sits behind Alex Smith and doesn't do anything for a year. So he doesn't even get a chance to prove it. He can't go out there and sort of learn those things. And then he starts and all he's done is go and win three Super Bowls <laughs> over a six-year stretch and win two, uh, three Super Bowl MVPs, be 15-3 and three in the postseason, and be a guy that when his team is trailing by 10 or more points in the playoffs, he's 5-1. and one, And the rest of the league over that same time is 6-48. and 48. And somehow this was a guy who wasn't a winner. So, like, I mean, it's just one of the angles. Like, watching him play, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen somebody that just – when the lights are brightest and you've got to find the play, you've got to find a way to get it done. He just seems to do it. And last night he did it with his legs. I mean, he was running the football when need be. He was completing passes. He was, uh, he was absolutely brilliant. Those final two drives. I mean, he goes out there at the end of regulation, they're down by three points. You have to score. The game's over. Drives them down, kick a field goal. He goes back out there in overtime. You have to score or the game is over. Drives his team down and scores a touchdown. I mean, that's, those are the biggest stakes, you know, of the sport. And he came through with uh, with, with just brilliant play in the, in both those drives. And made it look easy and seem easy. Um, the best, That's right, yeah. Uh, who, other than he, was uh, your best player, do you think? Um, I think Trent McDuffie on defense, number mm-hmm. 22, was really, really good. Um, what what, uh, what the defense wanted to do was just try to bring as many guys and, and pressure the quarterback and limit Christian McCaffrey running the football and, and leave their guys sort of on an Island with those receivers and trusting them to make plays. And Trent McDuffie was really, really good throughout the game. Uh, there were a lot of unsung heroes throughout the game, but I would say if I'm looking for one other guy, I think he played just an absolutely brilliant game and was big on limiting Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, And, you know, just what the, the fact that those three guys, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, I mean, the, the, they they pick up yards on everybody. It, yes. It's one of the reasons why the offense is so good. And they didn't get to 100 yards total between the three, and that's just something that doesn't happen very often. In fact, it's only the third time in the 48 games they've played together where they didn't combine together for at least 100 yards. <laughs> and yeah. one of the other ones was when they didn't have a quarterback last year, when they had a running back that had to play quarterback because of injuries, and that's what the Chiefs' defense was able to do. And McDuffie was a big part of that, so – I'd say defensively. If we're looking at Mahomes and how great he was in that game, the defense was really brilliant in that game to keep the Chiefs in the game. The offense sputtered. Defense went out there, got the ball back. The offense sputtered. Defense went out there, got the ball back. So if the defense wasn't as good as they were last night, um, we'd be talking about a, a 49ers victory and, and the Chiefs you know, not winning that one. But yeah. the defense was really good. Hey, just very quickly, the, the reaction over there, you know, nationwide, I suppose, to the uh, Travis Kelsey coach, a uh, little tighter tight. Yeah, that's um, that was really interesting. I was that was concerning because early in the game, I mean, you don't want to see you losing your cool already. And it's amazing what a win or a loss how that can shape a story. <laughs> exactly. Because if the Chiefs would have lost, that would be viewed a whole lot differently than it is right now. <laughs> if the Chiefs would have lost that game, people would have said they lost their composure on the sideline. They were the team that was supposed to be the one with the experience, but you see Travis Kelsey over there and then that sort of festered with other players. And you can see that if they would have lost, that would have been talked about instead they won. 
and everybody jokes and Travis Kelsey saying, Oh, I just told him I love him. You know, that's, that's, uh-huh. I was just not on my love. And then, and Andy Reid was like, Oh, you know, he caught me off balance there for a second. You know, I just uh, didn't have my seat under me <laughs> when he, uh, when he came, Oh, he's just passionate. He's a really mm-hmm. passionate player. And so people can have fun with it because they won, but it was a bad luck. I mean, I don't, you, you don't put your hands on your coach like that. That was a really bad passionate or not. You know, you, you can't do that just because he wasn't in the game. You know, if he wasn't in the game or he wasn't in on that play and Pacheco didn't fumble, would Kelsey have been that upset because he wasn't in on one play? He doesn't play 100% of the snaps. He doesn't play 100% of the game. He has plenty of plays where he's not in. Yeah. And that one, I think, was just sort of the – there is some passion to it, certainly. Um, but but I think that was, uh, that, that was, that was too far. You, you, you can't do that. <laughs> it, well, looked, it looked to me like Andy Reid sort of – he, he sort of got blindsided by him. Then he feels him, and Holy. then he and then he asks one of the other guys. It looks like what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> he he was so in well, the and, moment. And and I think that's one of the things that makes Andy Reid a great leader. And I didn't think about it at the time, but somebody I work with had tweeted it out last night and said, you know, something that'll get lost in that is Travis Kelsey does that. Andy Reid was sort of startled, dropped his play card just bent down and got his play card and then, you know, walked away. And he said, you know, how many, how many people that are leaders of great men, somebody's very upset. They're high, they're emotional, they're high strung, you know, their, their mind's going somewhere. They're, they're sort of, you know, on the verge of sort of out of control and just yelling that you just sit back and let them vent. Are you done? Okay. Now let's talk (laughs) and figure out what we need to do here because I'm not going to yell back and forth with you because nothing is going to get accomplished. Also, you shouldn't be talking to me like that because I'm your boss or whatever. However, it might happen with leaders of men. You don't see many leaders of men screaming back at somebody that's screaming at them. It might be because Andy Reid, that's happened on the sideline all the time. He is so calm and guys have been frustrated and yelling. And I've never seen him bark back at a player. I've seen him just calm, look at him. And then later on, you see them conversing on the bench and having Mm -hmm. like a grown up conversation. And I thought that was a really good point because, you know, at that moment, how many other coaches at high, strong Super Bowl would have snapped back? And now you see the coach and player yelling back and forth at each other on the sideline. Instead, Andy Reid just picked up his uh, play card and <laughs> walked the other way. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, they didn't show it on TV, but they go and they hug and they're talking and everything and everything's fine. But I think that's one of the reasons why the players love Andy Reid. And I think it's one of the reasons what, what makes him a really good leader is understanding how to work with people. Tyson. And what drives people and motivates them and how you reach them. Yeah. He, he is. He, he looks like a wonderful leader. And, hey, we're running out of time. We've got to get to the news. So so much appreciated of, of your time over the last couple of weeks. And all I can say is enjoy the party. It's been well earned. Thanks, Jason. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Give me a call.